And that's basically what the secret is. It's the law of attraction and the idea that you can visualize and believe in whatever you want to manifest in the world and then create it that way. And it worked for him and it worked for me, but then it didn't work for me and I went looking for answers. And that's how I found Mr. Leo Gura. I just threw a shit ton of shit at you though. Yeah, you did. I don't know where to start there. I was going to say that Jim Carrey to this day thinks that he manifested his success. Well, he did. Yeah, but like through magic. And you're going to say, well, he did. No, I mean, not necessarily through magic, maybe just through the basic laws of the universe. You think about something enough, you believe in it enough, it comes into your orbit, You your reticular activation systems going to see the chances to make it happen and you're more naturally just going to gravitate toward how to make it happen. So I want to get in on this scam. <laughs> of the secret? How do I make $10 million? Well, all you have to do is believe that you're going to make $10 million. Visualize it, write on a piece of paper that you're going to make $10 million. And if you really believe it, it'll happen. How do I do that? I, that's what I want. I want $10 million. A lot of people have vague, you know, thoughts and theories about what's going to make them happy. $10 million. It's overrated, man. I think I have it all figured out with those $10 million. I'd have a sauna. <laughs> I'd have a gym. I'd have the best food. And uh, everybody would love me and I'd be great. You wouldn't know if anyone loves you for you, though. That's a good point. I don't know if it matters. It matters. Because right? then when you leave, they don't love you anyway. Or they do. I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> I bought a giant TV. What? I bought a giant TV. From the 90s, right? Yeah, and I put it in the living room. It's 250 pounds. That's crazy. It took me asking like seven people to get someone to help me come move it. <laughs> like friends? Yeah. Jeez, some friends. That's what I'm saying. It's fucked up. Anyway, what were you saying? Well, I started this conversation by saying like five things at once, but they all do connect. Because I was saying the secret does work. Law of attraction does work. You could definitely make $10 million if you just believe hard enough, but that's no easy task. Belief and reality are intertwined and re reinforce each other. But I got really into the law of attraction when I was you know, pursuing a dream and wrote on a piece of paper that I was going to achieve the dream, believed it really hard, and made it happen and that made me like really believe that this stuff works the way Jim Carrey does but then it eventually failed for me which led me to YouTube search blah 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 the law of attraction doesn't work what the hell and then find the videos of this guy Leo Gura who is the reason I started meditating hardcore and is also an extremely cautionary tale because if you're up on what he's done lately the dude is spiraling downward so, yeah, I mean, I think law of attraction is real, but very misused and misunderstood. Where did it fail for you that you gave up on it? It seems like you had a very strong 
negative reaction at some point. Well, it was like in this confidential dream that I'm not disclosing on this podcast, I, you know, it was going well, everything I was manifesting was manifesting. And then at the very end, when I was about to achieve the apex of the dream, it failed. Hmm. I think it was largely a matter of me being like running on fumes and having no like power with which to believe and think and manifest what I was trying to do during this experience. But do you believe that? Like that if you put enough thought and energy into something, you can bring it into the world? Now this makes me think it's more like the winner effect in trading. Hmm. But I, I don't believe that even a little bit. The universe works in mysterious ways. You were like in it. You were like 100% convinced. And it kept being reinforced. Until it didn't. That's crazy. I mean, yeah, that's that's one possible explanation. But, I mean, I've had more experiences than just this dream of really putting energy into something believing it and then it playing out that way i mean you texted me before have you ever dreamt something and had it happen in real life that's a similar thing like the dream reflecting the subconscious and yeah the subconscious precedes the conscious awareness of what comes into your reality so for me that was like an image like I've seen this image before. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, like a metaphor. Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't think it was a metaphor, but still, like you see this image in a dream, then you see it in real life. That seems congruent with what I'm saying. That oh. putting thought and energy into something brings it into your world. Okay, I, I can buy that. I would have manifested this image that I saw subconsciously. Yeah, but it's not like a magical thinking thing. It's not like you just think about $10 million one day and then it pops up magically. Like it's a a mechanism of reality and belief being fundamentally intertwined. Like have you ever had experiences on psychedelics of realizing that reality is more malleable than you had thought? Realizing that a lot of it's just interpretation and that belief is intertwined with what happens in life not only have i had that experience but i used the exact same nomenclature where i was like oh reality is very valuable yeah um visual hallucinations for me prove that because i thought it was going to be like a like a drunk thing where everything's like buzzing Mm -hmm. but it wasn't it's just like your vision and then stuff's different than it should be Mm -hmm. but it's a very sober But should be is also just based on your paradigms, your experience, like what your mind has modeled and mapped. And psychedelics can break that apart and show that it's permeable. Which is bizarre, because if you think about like science tells us that everything goes down at atoms and they're all identical at the smallest level. But not even like we're on a never ending quest to drill down to what's smallest and behind atoms or electrons and then quartz and you know we keep going and get to quantum mechanics which show that 
things on the quantum level exist in probability fields and superpositions and we can't predict based on any smallest fundamental physical particle of reality how things will play out does that mean that we've like reached the limit of what our human understanding can conceptualize or maybe yeah we're we're definitely fundamentally limited by being humans and having minds i feel like the more they drill down the more made up it sounds the more what oh made up yeah you know what i mean like, <laughs> really complex science is as hokey as the craziest creation myth yeah totally that's why einstein and a lot of quantum physicists and big scientists through the years have become mystics toward the end of their career einstein they eventually realize the rationalism can't take you to the end destination I really want to read The Doors of Perception by Aldous Huxley. Oh, I want to read Aldous Huxley, too. Doors of Perception? What's that about? Um, I think it's just like his takes on psychedelics. Hmm. I know he took yeah. a lot of mescaline, and I know he dropped acid on his deathbed, which is pretty wild. That's crazy. That seems very risky. I mean, you know... You have a bad trip and you're going to reincarnate in hell or something. Who knows? I wonder if he thought of it that way. Or if he thought like he's going to another dimension anyway. Yeah, might as well roll the dice. That's a big thing, like your state of mind before you die. A lot of meditators talk about how you want to be as peaceful as possible when you die because it's really important for your rebirth. But they don't know. Yeah, they no one knows. Before. No one knows. Well, uh... I don't know, man. Like, I wonder what some people know. Like, yo, Swami Rama was a con artist. He was making <laughs> his heart beat super fast. He wasn't making it stop. I mean, even if he didn't do that, meditators can do crazy shit meditating. I mean, there are monks who can, within one hand, make their thumb 15 degrees warmer than their pinky. You can definitely control your physiological reality through the power of the mind. But as far as reincarnation, what people know, I don't know. People go to the depths of what's possible in meditation and spiritual practice. And I, I wouldn't discount the possibility that they remember past lives or they have insights into the nature of reality. I don't know if I buy into past lives. I don't actively believe in them, but I'm open to it. I mean, it's all energy. Things carry on. So the thing that doesn't ever sell me on it, there's a couple things. First one, anytime you go to like a person and they tell you about their past life, always some dope dude. It's never like, <laughs> oh, it's some fucking asshole farmer and he was mean to people and he died alone. It's always, oh, Good you're point. Cleopatra. Yeah. Everybody can't be Cleopatra. Yeah, no, people are super deluded and most people who believe this shit are deluded about it but it doesn't mean that some form of reincarnation or something similar can't exist my other thing is that life keeps increasing so you know i feel like we would run out of souls if we were reusing the same ones over and over well <laughs> that's you, a weird you know way to I mean? think about it like, we're all if, one so 
even souls being separate is an illusion. We're all one and we're just all smaller pieces of the one every generation because there's more of us. Well, does that mean we're worse and worse people every generation? Because then I buy. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. Uh, any theories about the incoming doom of society? I'm all about, and this is a good one. This is a good spiritual one. Every generation, we have less soul than the previous. That is the trajectory of Western civilization, I would say. We've severed a connection to spirit and most people in their scientific materialist atheist worldview in the U.S., for example, have no spiritual world, no connection to what I would call the true self or the part of you that's connected to spirit and to God. I think you're really upplaying the Eastern world's spirituality. Well, I actually think that spirituality in the future is going to be cradled in the west i think the trend with technology initially is the west developing the technology and severing this connection but we're now reconnecting to spirit meanwhile over in asia you know technology is developing and people are probably going to get very estranged from spirit in the coming decades And like, it's not like I am buying into any particular Eastern philosophy or meditative tradition. A lot of these are just traditions. I feel like that would be a good explanation for all of the sort of superhuman feats that are talked about in like spiritual books for people a long time ago. What would be the explanation? If we go back to that thing we were saying earlier about how if we're all pieces of one whole and the more of us there are, the less we each have of that whole then like early humans Mm. like the gilgameshes of the world or buddha or whomever that's entirely possible like i remember there was a passage of walden where henry david thoreau was reflecting on this phenomenon saying like i'm less of a man than my ancestors but it is what it is i have to be the best man i can be but that's definitely a thing but I think it's it's not like a formula of the more humans there are, the larger the denominator by which we're dividing <laughs> the oneness. Yeah, that's it's literally like, how I'm thinking of it. Th- but I'm thinking of it more as a response to technology and the ease of life. Like when life was a struggle and you had to really be in survival mode, you're naturally just more connected to your essence. And now when you're just sitting on the couch like a dope watching Netflix craning your head forward into a hunched posture looking at your phone watching porn you're naturally just gonna evolve into a piece of shit you really cut me deep with all those last couple things (laughs) do you watch porn (laughs) sometimes yeah Mm. more than sometimes recently i've been on it but Mm -hmm. i don't know i have like waves where i think it's super weird Mm mm-hmm and then, like, I'll slowly get back into solo, and then I'll go from there. Yeah. And then eventually I'll be like, this is too weird again, and then go back. Wait, you get back into solo? Yeah. What do you mean, solo? Like, where it's just the girl. Oh, oh, as far as the porn you're watching. Yeah, because I'll get too weird, and then I'll dial it all the way back. What even is solo? Like, there can't be sex happening. What is it? 
No, yeah, it's just like a girl. She masturbates or whatever. Does it? Oh, okay. That's cool. Uh, yeah, that's like. I generally think all porn is a very bad idea and kind of intrinsically makes you a soy boy cuck because you're <laughs> watching other people have sex. But mm. that's at least better, watching a girl. That's a good point. That's a real good point. I mean, also just art, the artificial dopamine of it. That's why I avoid it like the plague because I feel like anytime you can make yourself feel awesome or flood your system with dopamine with no effort, that's fucking up your reward circuitry and like there's a heavy cost to pay for quote-unquote costless dopamine rushes yeah that's a very good point but it's also i feel like limiting me in a problem because if i'm really honest with myself this is a lot of my fear of being single and Sometimes I feel like subconsciously I might just want to stay in a relationship for the guaranteed sex because I'm too worried about getting back into porn. How into porn were you before? Uh, I mean, I was never like one of these people on NoFap forums who's spending a ton of time on it, but I was definitely addicted. And yeah, I didn't, I really didn't like being deep into porn. Like, it's been something I've gone back and forth with for a while. Like in 2014, 2015, I tried to stop and stopped for a while successfully, but then would go back and had like a year free and then went back and was using it occasionally. And now I'm completely off of it. But to be honest with you, like if I were out of a relationship, I would be pretty scared that I would go back. How long have you been off of it completely? Like when was the last time you watched porn? I actually did in December, like twice. Busted. <laughs> Before that, I did in April 2020, like twice. Yeah, so that, like the, the two years, 2019 and 2020, I had like three or four relapses other than that being completely off. And now I'm like four months and counting off and not going back. That's crazy. Is it? I don't know. I feel like, what's the normal amount? Uh, I don't know. I feel like 95 plus percent of guys watch it. If a guy's not getting consistent sex, they probably watch it like five times a week. Yeah, that's pretty accurate. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's a bad thing. Dude, different worlds. You know, the people in my day job. All about it, all the time. Yeah. Were you, were you there for that? For what? The sex toys on nights. <laughs> what? No, I was not. Oh, did you miss this? Uh, yes. Sex one toys? Of, yeah, one of the you know dudes we were working with at the time found like a deal online. And it was like, you could buy you know the sex toy and pay $20 in shipping. Or if you bought six of them, you get free shipping (laughs) like it was some dumb you know non-deal but he came all excited to work and he's like all right we're all gonna get one what are these like fleshlights yeah everyone on the night shift got fleshlights together it's the gayest thing i've ever heard bought a giant crate and it was shipped to the office i think (laughs) you know and we all got one 
Wow. And uh, it was fucking crazy. It was incredible. It's a lot better than stroking with your hand. Oh my God, it's better than a human being. Wow. Um, I'm not surprised so, that porn plus that would be better. Like porn is a huge rush. You know, the technology's there, man. That's yeah. what's scary. Virtual reality um, porn is going to be next level scary. So I had to throw it out because um, it was fucking crazy, I'm telling you. Because it was too addictive? It was, yeah, it was insane. Okay, was so you, insane you have rush. like a higher sense similar to me that porn's not great for you. Um, to an extent, yeah. Mm-hmm. But everyone at work's just a walking id who embraces it. But I think, like, you know, if the alternative is you go out and do something dumb, sleep sleep with a rando you don't like, then... I think sleeping with a rando you don't like is better than porn, for sure. It's a real no. human. Yeah. Do you want to prime your sexual system to pixels? No, it's just like, why are you taking advantage of that other human? Taking unless you're advantage? Like, yeah, unless you're like really upfront about, hey, I don't like you and we will never uh, talk again. I figured you meant like you realize over the course of hooking up that you don't like them. Like you're just saying, you know, from the beginning. Yeah, you know about like your sex. second drink that you're like, you don't like them, but whatever, you're both here. Hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. That's not good either. I mean, I think ideally... The ideal is to just transcend that need to come to like be able to channel that energy into productive endeavors, but it's an ability few guys have these days. And I think that's probably part and parcel with what we're talking about, like the gen- each generation getting weaker and worse as people. I wonder if that's actually true. I was actually going to ask, but I lost my train of thought earlier. Like, I think we just over romanticized the past. We do that too, but people were also more impressive in the past, I would say. Like, you know that 80-20 rule? Mm, I know an 80-20 rule. It's like a management rule or technique or whatever, but it's the 20% of the employees do 80% of the work. Yeah, and I would say it's probably even more lopsided. But I would say that that's, you know, humanity as a whole, like, most people aren't productive and most people have never been productive. That's true. I think you're right on that. So, you know, it's not worth, like, really bearing down and being, like, you know. The end result is probably that people today are equally capable of doing legendary things from people in the past. But there's a trade-off of them being, like, kind of weaker because life is easier. But then all the technology that makes life easier making us capable of doing a lot more. Yeah, that's a good point, you know. Hunter-gatherers can go to space. Yeah, we adapt, so we get awesome tools, we become proportionally less awesome. It's Mm. a wash. Yeah. I don't know if it's a wash, but there's no clear path forward, so how do you say society's doing well or doing poorly? Well, yeah, it's all subjective. Right. What's well, what's poor. That's why I disagree with people who, New Agers, who talk about like how messed up the world is and how it needs to be fixed. You know, it's like the world's awesome for some people and terrible for some people, as probably will always be the case. I just don't like that, 
you know, people, but New Agers in general, love to tell you about all the horrible things that are happening, but offer no solutions. Oh, yeah. Well, that's Spiral Dynamics Stage Green. You know Spiral Dynamics? No. Explain it to me. It's one of the few useful things I learned from Leo Gura. It's a model of psychological development. It was developed by some psychologists in like the 50s, I think. And more psychologists developed it further in the 70s. Beck and Cohen, I think those were, but originally it was Claire Graves. And it started from asking people questions about right and wrong and why their views were what they were. And I think it was like abortion was an example. They would ask a lot of women, is it wrong to, or like, do you have a right to abortions? And they would get all their answers and they found that the answers slash justifications tended to fit into distinct bins. So there would be yes, no, and another yes. But the reasons had changed. It would be like, yes, because yes, because my body, my choice, I can do what I want. And then it would be like, no, because it's wrong to take a human life or my religion says it's wrong or whatever. And then it would be like, yes, because rationally thinking about it, there are some situations where it's warranted. And so this is just one example. There are a lot of questions and a lot of different lenses through which to see the pattern. But the pattern was that people progress through, not just people, actually. It's like a really in-depth model that applies both to individuals and to societies collectively. But they go through levels of psychological development. And each stage is associated with colors. So, for example, blue is the like hardcore fundamentalist religious color or fundamentalist religious fundamentalists are typical of blue. They're the first stage that's thinking really societally and communally about the collective, but in a very like dogmatic way very stark view of right and wrong and morals. And then you have orange, which is rationalism, science, uh, pursuing success, more about the self and the individual. And then after that comes green, which is each stage is kind of a reaction to the problems and excesses of the previous stage. So green sees the problems of late stage capitalism, sees you know the excesses of this materialism, and wants to help everyone is thinking on terms of they're basically hippies they're like all about peace love and harmony wanting to help everyone but they don't offer any real solutions and they don't really have a clue how to address the problems that they're so mad about and that's like kind of what we're getting into in the u.s and what comes after that is a huge leap up from green of yellow of thinking systemically and actually figuring out how to solve very intricate, complicated problems. Again, thinking individually, but both individually and uh, macro as well, and big picture. And then like turquoise, like people who are getting into like spiritually enlightened territory, and it goes on from there. Like, and... Yeah, I think the later stages are more up for debate, but you can generally see this trend. I think it fits a lot of societal trends. 
I don't know. It sounds like someone made a list of all like the cool stuff that they thought they were, and then like ranked at the very highest, and then like, you know what I mean? Like it implies that the later stages are better and better. Yeah. Well. And I don't think there's a. They tend to be more aware. I mean, like a rational materialist is more aware and thinking more generally than a religious fundamentalist. And I would say the hippies have developed certain things that rationalists and materialists haven't opened up their heart. And then to actually solve these problems, you need to think systemically and not just be bleeding hard about it. So, I mean, it's sensical to me, but it's just a model. All models are wrong. Some are useful. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I buy that one. But so you learn this from. Well, it's also very intricate. Like there's no way I could have explained it in five minutes. I gave you the very broad strokes, but it's I was with you when you were on stage three, the green stage, I think. Mm -hmm. But I thought that it was going to go back to blue again. And I was going to be like, great theory. I agree. (laughs) Well, it it does in a sense, because I think people tend to think they're two stages above where they are. It oscillates between being oriented toward the collective and the group. Like before, well, before blue is red, which is like warlords and people who are just like, fuck bitches, get money, you know, all about themselves. Before that is purple, which is the beginning of tribalism, very magical thinking. Um, So it oscillates between being about the group and being about the individual. And because there's that bias one way or the other, Green and orange, for example, hate each other. The adjacent stages hate each other and don't mistake themselves for each other. Their dislike for the stage above them and below them keeps them in place, kind of. Um, But people do tend to think they're two stages above where they are. So a lot of social justice warriors, I would say, are blue. They're dogmatists and super into an ideology of social justice, but convince themselves that they're green and really it's coming from a place of caring about all of humanity and wanting everyone to be equal, which isn't actually the case. This sounds like um, a wokeness ladder, like how to level up as a <laughs> woke of. person until you're the most woke person and then you can be actualized.org. Yeah, I mean, a lot of, but again, like a lot of people who are using it that way, thinking of themselves as the most woke, thinking of themselves as yellow and able to think systemically and aware of this model and so on, might just be orange and convincing themselves they're yellow, uh, but just to fulfill orange's desire to be the best and to succeed. Mm. I don't know, man. Like, I'm not big on models. I just think this is one of the better ones I've come across. To me, the ultimate wokeness is just to be stoic about everything. Now, you you haven't opened your heart, though. There's a ton of emotion and caring there that just hasn't come to the surface because you're living in the modern world and numb to the heart. I disagree. I think the stoic is the more powerful spiritual figure than the open-hearted hippie. <laughs> well... I I agree, but what is stoic? A lot of people, I mean, it's easy to, like, get seduced by stoicism as, like, spiritual bypassing and Mm. to 
like aspire to not be affected by things and have an internal locus of control while in denial that you are affected by things and you care about stuff. I think it's like Neo at the end of the Matrix where you can like see the numbers fall down. Mm-hmm. What is stoicism? Yeah, or well, not necessarily stoicism, but like, you know, the highest level of enlightenment. Could be. But Which I think is stoicism. There's a meme I like. To get that, you have to go through... You know, and then it's the image of Neo first waking up in that, like, capsule of goo, realizing everything he believed was a lie. So you can't just go straight to being final version of Neo. You have to go through the dark night of the soul. How good is The Matrix? It's incredible. It's incredible that that movie was made in 2000. Such an apt metaphor. And it holds up forever. Like, yeah. it's in the zeitgeist now. I kind of feel like big Hollywood producers know a lot more than the public and know what the zeitgeist has been, will be. And movies like that are a result of people who are out of the Matrix, but realize, like, how real the Matrix is. I mean, it was just a movie for people in 2000. Now people are like, oh, this is an accurate metaphor for all the lies we've been fed and everything mainstream society believes and is told by a super corrupt government with a lot of fuckery going on behind the scenes. Yeah, but that's like quintessential cyberpunk. What's that? Like the genre of like metafiction that they were working with. Like Philip K. Dick books and... You know, just kind of the subculture that the writers were into already. Mm-hmm. So this is like an, the perfect amalgam of all those different, like, 90s and 80s movies and books. I guess earlier than that. Yeah. Like authoritarian so, super governments and... All maybe all those 90s and 80s books and things were also in on it. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's always been these fringe beliefs and mm-hmm. they were brought out as fiction but like these were people's fringe beliefs at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now so maybe the fringe beliefs have been correct. Right. It looks like more war- and more likely as time goes on. So I think like the warning signs have always been there and humanity yeah. as a whole just has no intention on ever changing trajectory. Mm. I Don't you think that could change though? I mean, with the big explosion of conspiracy theories, I don't know. Trump was waking people up, not because Trump's so great, but just because the result of having a president like Trump is an increase of awareness of all the crazy shit going on. So people were waking up, but now we're in a Biden lull. Do people just go back to sleep? Yeah, so that's what I was thinking earlier when you were talking about the different stages of person. And I was thinking, like, it's going to be the opposite. Like, we're going to be so sick of hearing conspiracy theories that people are just going to shift conservative and authoritarian. (laughs) Like well, it just comes in cycles of open, 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 back. I'd say the left is conservative and authoritarian now. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so that's what you're saying. That's like the, sh- the reason for that shift is they're sick of the nudges to wake up and everyone talking about conspiracy theories. They're sick of disorder more than that. Hmm. Like it's. Yeah. You know, if you're already sort of comfortably in power and then there's just chaos, you just kind of want to. I don't know. You, you trade more not to lose your status than to gain more status. Well, yeah, like first priority is not losing it. Mm. Yeah. 
but I think the eventual trend has to be everything spiraling into the disorder. Can't contain consciousness, can't extend this expansion in consciousness. I'm, yeah, I'm curious. I, I don't think so. I think it's just going to get easier and easier to live life without thinking about anything. You said the exact phones. opposite two weeks ago. Yeah, I changed my mind a lot. <laughs> um, I mean, that's a good sign that you're not like locked into a rigid belief, I guess. Yeah, I'm not dogmatic. I don't stand for much, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> yeah, what do you ask... stand for? From what I can tell, you don't stand for anything. Not really. Um, I don't know. I like what's funny at the time, mm-hmm. usually. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of an enlightened perspective. It is all just kind of a joke at the end of the day. It's such a nihilistic perspective. That's the truth. It's, um, yeah, I know, but, like, it gets abused by all these, like, you know, the, the joke. I just really hate those movies, man. <laughs> I I've, feel I'm, like, like, totally out of them. I don't even know half the people now. There's just a lot of them, but I feel like the general trend of fishing in that pool of creativity is like bad for society. Like it's pop culture and it's like pop culture of recycled culture. Mm, so you're just getting yeah. this hot dog of a movie now instead yes. of like a, you know, steak. Oh yeah, it's total crap, but it has been for like at least a decade. That's what I'm saying, because they discovered this whole shared universe thing, and it's just a gold mine. Mm-hmm. So they just keep hitting it forever. Yeah, and because people have gotten dumb enough to eat it up. That's what I'm saying. Where it's, it's just fast food, but <laughs> the fast food of media. Eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why we need to now. buck the trend. Create a documentary about psychedelics and interesting cutting-edge shit, and become the producers of a generation. Yeah, talk to me about your psychedelics documentary, and then I'll talk to you about my dreams of being a big hotshot producer. Sweet. I'm excited to hear about your dreams of being a sleazy Hollywood producer. But the doc is to chronicle psychedelics in like a true way, because everyone who covers psychedelics is generally has one bent or the other. Typically the bent of valorizing them and talking about how they're awesome and healing and all this stuff which I agree with, but there's another side of the shadow sides of spiritual circles, how people misuse psychedelics, how people are deluded with them and with spiritual work. So my idea for the doc is to name it Light and Shadows and cover psychedelics and their use in the communities that arise around them all over the world. And I also feel like the best stories documentaries movies arise from people actually doing interesting things and chronicling what they're doing so not just like reporting but like going on these quests myself or ourselves going to guatemala ecuador peru maybe breaking the ice of my year plus of sobriety with 5meo doing sapo and creating a sick fucking documentary i think that'd be very very cool if it's anything like hamilton's pharmacopoeia i will watch the shit out of it yeah i mean my vision is it for is for it to be kind of like that but less informational and more getting Mm. into the people and the cultures like 
Hamilton talks a lot about the compounds, why they do what they do, and also like the positive side of psychedelics. But I think people need to see some of these downward spirals, some of these YouTube shamans like Leo Gura who fuck up their lives with psychedelics, some of the people who just end up on the ayahuasca train desperately searching for answers, getting high repeatedly, the full spectrum of it. Do you think that's exploitative of those people at all? It could be. I mean, I wouldn't make it exploitative. I would make anyone in the documentary like okay with what they're sharing in the documentary. Mm. But it's possible people's interpretations of some of these people could be that they're whack and then the people would then realize they're whack. So it's, yeah, it could be. I don't know. But then the whole point is to sort of make people understand that some of these people are whack. Yeah, I think that that awareness does need to be spread. But I wonder, yeah, you know, it just depends on the person. Like I watched this, I watched like five minutes of this Charles Manson movie. Mm -hmm. Because I just got so like grossed out by it when he's like (laughs) taking these like well, he's like picking up these hitchhikers and then like giving them drugs and telling them all these weird things. Like they're all this community and they're all group hugging and they're all like, you know, we love you. You have a home now. And wait, are you saying this is an orgy? This is chronicling people in the day of Charles Manson in his cult. Oh wow, I didn't know there was such a documentary. No, it's not a documentary. This is fictionalized oh okay um but i'm just saying like like the tactic that he was using to sort of gain their trust Mm -hmm. yeah and there's a ton of that out there there's a ton of corrupt shamans there's a ton of sexual abuse there's it's a it's a dark world as well as a light world do you have a better name than light and shadows um no not off the top of my head but i don't think you have to really have a name until 20 minutes before it's shown. Yeah. But I also wonder if I would be late to the party with this anyway. I mean, there are a ton of YouTube shamans creating content kind of like this. I don't, I don't know. Does first matter as much as best? Yeah, it does a lot, right? Hmm. Usually first to market wins. Although I would be first to like show these cultures and communities like no one's gone to san marcos guatemala and shown the depth of hippiness that exists there can you describe the depth of hippiness (laughs) i probably can't i i was like i thought it was woodstock with everyone on even more drugs i was at this yoga forest where people sing together um they're all or most of them are using psychedelics and it was actually cool in a lot of aspects, but there were also girls just peeing on the trails out in the open. It was a very free love atmosphere. It was it was wild. I mean, I'm like some people would call me a hippie, but I was almost uncomfortable with how hippie this place was. Yeah, there gets to be a point for me at least where you know, some of the shit that is going on like if it's anything like a burning man hippie 
or like an electric forest hippie, then it's, you know, I don't know. I don't know where to go with this, but like if, if a rampaging band of wolves ran into the town, like these people would all sit down and cry. Oh, you're just saying they're soft. It's not just that they're soft. It's that they're like clueless of their surroundings. Hmm. I don't know if I would go that far. But that's a generalization of like certain burnouts that I've met. Oh, obviously, yeah. you know, there's very rugged, capable of people living in the right. outdoors. Yeah, which should be us when we start a huge commune in Ecuador. Dude, if I live in a huge commune in Ecuador, I don't know. I got to get some hoes somehow. Where am I going to get all these hoes? <laughs> oh, they'll come. They'll come a flock in. Girls love communes and <laughs> spiritual scenes. <laughs> I feel like STDs would be a concern. How are they Could not be. in all these free love places? I think they are, and people are just fine with it. They are in syphilis. retirement homes as well. Yeah, that's weird, right? <laughs> I don't know. That's yeah, I can't weird, decide man. if it's the more spiritual life is to be a free spirit mixing it up with a ton of hoes and having a lot of sex or if I should just stay in committed relationship. You know, I've never actually had sex outside of a committed relationship. Um, I have a bunch. If you have any questions about it, <laughs> it's not as good. It's not as good out of a relationship. Yeah. Cause well, I agree. it's not as good in my opinion. Cause I think you have to trust the other person like a, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sex is a lot richer when you know the other person really well. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think, like, even, you know, making eye contact, it's like a super intimate act. So Mm -hmm. just like with a stranger, it's not as fun. I don't know, though. There's, like, an excitement to interaction with strangers that isn't there with someone familiar as well. It just depends, because, like... You know, maybe if the stranger is some, like, really dope stripper <laughs> that's, like, super sexually confident, is going to be great. Mm-hmm. But chances are the stranger is not. And so then, you know, it's just a varying quality mm-hmm. yeah. of sexual experiences. Yeah, I mean, someone who's not comfortable with themselves sexually is not fun to have sex with. Right. So it just depends on, you know, where the dice lands with that, with the randoms, that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you said recently that you're kind of looking to lock something down. Yeah, dude, because I want to be able to do more shit. Mm -hmm. Kinkier shit? No, I did like a a trophy wife without (laughs) actually earning a trophy, you know. I just need a participation trophy wife. (laughs) <laughs> your sjw culture made me believe this maybe disney made me believe this but i need an accessory that i can take to places and do stuff with and you know bounce thoughts off of and then fuck that's what i need huh well i would never refer to my beloved as a trophy but if you need if you need advice on that i have a lot of experience <laughs> 
yeah, what do I got to do besides manifest it? I got to run into a cornfield and I got a law of attraction. It. Mm. But you've never been in a relationship longer than a couple months, right? Three months. Have you ever loved a girl? No. Mm. Well, no. Hmm. So yeah, that's that's big, man. That's like a developmental process to go through getting to that level with someone. I think I'm just unhappy with life right now. Dude, I feel like it's just the weed. Even still, it's been almost two weeks. Yeah, you're, it's got to be, what, at least a month for it to get out of your system? Really? Yeah, what, isn't that the drug test? 30 days? Yeah, I think you're right, but I, I feel like withdrawal is... I'm definitely past the peak of that. Yeah, well... I also I feel know. great in a lot of ways. Like, it's cool to feel sharp again, and or sharper, and... Yeah. No, I don't mean cognitively. I mean, like, a dopamine withdrawal. Mm. Is weed a dopamine rush? I don't know, but it's a, some, it's a different... Like, you're obviously in a different mindset. Yeah. So... Now you have to readjust to a new mindset. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sobriety sucks. Well, even if it's not dopamine, I think it's analogous to the porn thing. Like, any time you can make yourself feel awesome at no cost to you, there's a huge cost to you because you're losing all motivation to do the long-term things that'll create an awesome life. But in the quarantined pandemic world where an awesome life is nearly impossible it's very hard to resist that temptation that's not true man a bunch of people are having awesome lives right that billionaire david gaffin who just has the mega yacht took it to the bahamas when the uk locked down oh damn i didn't hear about that he has a mega yacht with like 50 people on it or however many people live in a mega yacht i don't fucking know all right so easy we just need a mega yacht and a billion dollars yeah like elrond L. Ron Hubbard? Yeah, he bought a retired Navy ship, filled it with a bunch of gullible 20-year-olds, and, uh, you know, went out to sea. Mm-hmm. And then saw Thoth and started a religion. That was that other guy. Do you know about that? It was Alistair Crowley claimed to go to Egypt. Yeah. You, t- you said this on the podcast previously, I think. Yeah, he claimed to have an actual hallucination of Thoth in Egypt that mm-hmm. gave him his religion. And then L. Ron Hubbard joined his religion. And then decided I could make my own. It's crazy. It's just a group of like five friends and they all went off to make five religions and they all got huge. I thought you said three. Um, It's the Wicca guy. Yeah. L. Ron Hubbard and... L. Ron Hubbard. It's also the Church of Satan guy. (laughs) Oh, shit. Anton LaVey. You think Um, these guys were all just trolling? I mean, there's no way they could have all really been drinking their own Kool-Aid with this. The Satan church. They were all, yeah, no, they're all giving you the same thing repackaged because hmm. they all found a way to make it happen. Like, they all have the same connections, you know, whatever they were doing. Um, yeah, it's 100% bullshit. This is a group of assholes. <laughs> Pretty much. Is every religion a group of assholes? Uh, well, the ones that started out of that sort of UK lodge environment definitely Mm -hmm. were but also the major religions like christians have kind of been huge assholes the crusades and all that you know 
There's two sides to the Crusades. <laughs> <laughs> it's fought between two religions, so I wouldn't call it... I don't know. I don't know what the consensus opinion on this is, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't... There's like a weird SJW idea that one religion now, because they've been victimized, is like so good and so beautiful. And it's not... Right. It's a bad one with weird ideas about women. Um, That's what I'm kind of saying, though. All religions are just people and their beliefs and then the egotistical desire to make other people fit into those beliefs. Yeah, man. Anything that actually gives you hardline rules is wrong and you should not listen to it. Yeah, besides, like, that's why I like... Like the Tibetan guys, they're not bothering anyone. They're just sitting on the mountain thinking about making it warm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah, I do feel like they're a like tier above other religions. They're pretty they're legit. They're genuinely pursuing something. Mm-hmm. And you could say that, you know, monks maybe are too, but mm-hmm. so much of Christianity is about enforcing monarchy. Right. That's all it's about. Yeah. I mean, knowing like how developing consciousness is possible and the states of mind that people can cultivate. I feel like any religion that's not oriented toward that is a bunch of crap. Like if it's just rules and believing Jesus or anyone else is going to come save you, it's a stupid religion. Well, just so much of like monotheism was intentionally adopted by these rulers to reinforce their system of government. Yeah. That like, how could you now be like, no, no, they're working off of some truth there. (laughs) well it all starts with truth though like i think jesus himself was probably super wise and spreading a lot of truth but then people ruin it as they ruin everything well that's the thing it takes a long time to see results with meditation that's why i keep telling you 10 day goinka retreat that's the way to go dude that's such a commitment for a thing you don't even know if you're into yeah but think about it this way like you'll spend less time and energy just setting aside 10 days to know if this is legit versus the time you spend wondering, dabbling in different things over years. Mm. What if I do it for like years and then I get really good at it and then I'm like, this was a waste of time. (laughs) It's kind of like me. (laughs) No, it's definitely not a waste, but it's also not a linearly better and better path. So it's pretty frustrating. I do really like the Wim Hof aspect of it. Of what? Being able to do epic shit? Yeah, being able to withstand different temperatures or raise your body temperature or, you know, hold your breath for a very long time. Mm -hmm. I like that. But I don't know if that's just because you're giving yourself really good control of your body. Or what you're doing, or whether you're just blocking it all out. Either way, I guess. It's definitely not blocking it all out. It's, yeah, it's the control of mind over matter. But the matter being, like, your own flesh or the matter around you. Being physical sensations and pain and stuff. Like, I've gone to depths of meditation where I feel pain, and it's like, oh, it's painful, it's painful. But then I go deeper and feel the sensations objectively without the mind and its noise and see that at the root level, it's all just sensations and pain is an interpretation. I would 
want to go a level deeper and start to change my reality by giving myself $10 million. <laughs> That's my goal in meditating. To get $10 million? Yeah. It's a pretty pure goal. Yeah. That's my goal. Is that like your telos right now? Like what you would want the most? Just a lot of money? I just came up with it today, but yes, I want $10 million. I can guarantee you that every aspect of my life would be better with $10 million. Hmm. I don't know how you can guarantee that. Like I just upgrade every single thing I have. You think that makes you happier? Having better things? Um, because my direct sources of unhappiness at the present are not having enough things based on the, essentially the pandemic regulations. Yeah, but there are people in Nepal who own like a t-shirt and a pot and live in a little hut who are way happier than you. Um, are they? What is happy? That's a great question. It's a shitty word that describes a ton of different things, but I'm but I, I'm using it to mean peace and fulfillment in life. I would say that they would not be as comfortable as I would be. Well, that's different. Um, and I don't think comfort correlates with happiness. I think, I it, think if it, anything, it's an inverse correlation. Ooh, that depends. Because, you know, a lot of uncomfortable people are also miserable. Yeah, of course. So it's like a, it's one of these. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, not being poor, there's definitely something set to be said for that. But yeah. I'm firmly convinced that anything above upper middle class, you're not going to get a lot happier from more material wealth or possessions. I think that's because, you know, you don't have an imagination. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Like... You know, all these people that say that, you know how much happier I'd be on a mega yacht off the coast of the Bahamas than I am in Chicago in the middle of winter? Yeah, you would be way happier for like a week and then you would face my friend nihilism and realize you can't buy happiness and no, probably be more see, miserable. I wouldn't because I would leave the Bahamas and go to Alaska and then I'd go to Monaco. I just keep changing my environment. It's like me shifting my desk. Mm-hmm. And that's all life is, is changing your environment and distracting yourself <laughs> until you die. That's such a bleak worldview. Um, but anyway, I would just keep doing that. Infinite amounts of money, zero stress. I'd live to be like 130. I'd meditate. I'd meditate with David Lynch. <laughs> Pay him money because I'd be so rich. David Lynch can't be bought. He's too enlightened for that. This is true. He did um, Inland Empire on a Sony handheld camera, like a piece of shit digital camera. What is Inland Empire? Is it about the Inland Empire in the Southern California? Yeah, David Lynch lives in LA and he loves it and all his movies are about how shitty LA is. Wait, he loves LA? Yeah, he like loves Hollywood, but it's always like, there's always something horrible happening in the underlying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so. that's kind of how I feel, man. Like, I hate it here people suck the culture sucks it the city makes no sense there's no reason there should be a city here with 20 million people packed into this rat park rat race of materialism but i also love it it's the final frontier the ultimate conclusion of manifest destiny 
Yeah, it's the weather's dope. Weather, weed, and women. Hell yeah. That's the dream. But it's also where you face that nihilism. Like, if you ever achieve whatever the fuck materially you want, you realize it doesn't make you fulfilled, and then you have to face the void, and that's what L.A. is. It's a bunch of empty parking lots and a place where no one gives a fuck about you. They're all doing their own thing, living in... You know, God knows how many different ways. There's no correct way to be or exist here. You're just in the void. It's you in the parking lots. That's why they made weed legal. (laughs) How do you think? No, but Sylvia Plath has this poem about a fig tree. You want me to read it to you? Let's do it, man. Read the fig tree. This poem resonates with me probably more than any poem. I saw my life branching out before me like the green fig tree in the story. From the tip of every branch, like a fat purple fig, a wonderful future beckoned and winked. One fig was a husband and a happy home and children. Another fig was a famous poet, and another fig was a brilliant professor, and another fig was E.G., the amazing editor, and fuck pop-up ads on goodreads.com. (laughs) And another fig was Europe and Africa and South America, and another fig was Constantine and Socrates and Attila and a pack of other lovers with queer names and offbeat professions, and another fig was an Olympic lady crew champion, and beyond and above these figs, there were many more figs I couldn't quite make out. I saw myself sitting in the crotch of this fig tree, starving to death, just because I couldn't make up my mind which of the figs I would choose. I wanted each and every one of them, but choosing one meant losing the rest, and as I sat there, unable to decide, the figs began to wrinkle and go black, and one by one, they plopped to the ground at my feet. That's a really good poem. Yeah, man, that's life. That, I was actually going to say, you know, glad it ended in the way it ended, because I was going to say that the happiest people are the ones that are just decisive. I think there's, that's probably true. But let's go do stuff. Uh, no, I think it's. Mm. Does it even matter which one you pick? No, it it does. The thing is, the happiest people are the most decisive, but there are a lot of decisive people making stupid ass decisions who don't end up happy. Like, mm. you've got to go from, you know, unenlightened decisiveness to enlightened inability to decide, to enlightened decisiveness. I just like to think about, really, Joe Rogan's path to success. Mm -hmm. Where he just keeps beating his head onto the wall every single day. Just grind, 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 grind. No, that's true. There's definitely something to be said for grinding. Has no thought that like, oh, you know, it's not going to be good or it isn't. Just does it every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he cultivated talents and like had a direction, you know. No, he didn't. Not at first. Well, he had comedy. That was always something. But like comedy's not. He's just shit talking. He's just on a podcast shit talking <laughs> for like seven years, and then eventually, like, he makes bigger friends and gets better guests. And mm-hmm. It takes on its own life. Yeah, it's true. But he just does it. It's like that Nike slogan. Just do it. <laughs> mm, it's just like, what is it? There are a ton of people who 
put decades into a career that, and then have a midlife crisis when they realize their life doesn't mean anything. That's because it's not a creative career. Right. Yeah. As long as you're creating, I guess you're moving in the right direction. Although, to be fair, Hemingway blew his own brains out. So Did he? Yeah. I didn't know that. Because he didn't like his own writing. Maybe. Hemingway's a legend. One of the few writers I look up to. Yeah, man. He killed himself? Big sad. <laughs> Everyone who goes deep. So does Sylvia Plath. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Everyone who goes deep, man. Everyone who contemplates the nature of life and reality and realize the meaninglessness of it all has to face that nihilism. And a lot of people don't make it to the other side. So you can be two things, suicidal or hilarious. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, stand-up comics are all borderline suicidal. Right. Robin but Williams. they also got into stand-up comedy out of self-hatred to begin with. We're getting back to that sweet, sweet 2008. Oil is way up. <laughs> Gas is getting expensive again. Hmm. It's hilarious to me how obvious it is that like the same people are in charge. The same people, like how, meaning the establishment? Yeah, like how quickly... You could tell right before, like, oh, you know, all the really diehard pro-Biden people, he's going to give us Medicare and mm-hmm. wipe out student loans and, you know, <laughs> cure COVID by himself. And what does he do? He bombs the Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking right back to whatever, Obama era. Oh, yeah. He's another corrupt politician. We had a brief blip of a maniac who was a lot of things and a pretty shitty guy, but at least not a corrupt politician who was bought by business interests. And now we're back. And it, we were back so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like it never even... It was just... Those four years of Trump were just a dream. Just a fever dream. Yeah, but that dream and that blip is the precedent and the blueprint for the revolution coming in 2028. Dude, it's the great reset. Donald Trump is what kicked it off. He's Quetzalcoatl. <laughs> I do, it does seem like there were a lot of plans, like, I don't know if great reset exactly, but there were things governments wanted to do that maybe they were going to slowly roll out between now and 2030, but then when Trump got in, they were like, all right, we got to it's go time. People are going to wake up to our shenanigans. We got to go quicker. Ooh, what do you mean by that? Because that sounds like a conspiracy. Well, I mean that there is a shadowy organization conspiring to enslave the entire population. I don't know if that's a conspiracy. You truly believe this? For sure. Reptilian people are infiltrating the country and they want the population to be slaves. They're slowly introducing the idea with masks and forcing compliance in all these ways just getting people comfortable with the idea of not having autonomy dude i can't believe i I, sorry did you have something important to say no (laughs) yeah it would be weird if you did two hours into us talking um but i do two hours into us talking i can't believe i didn't mention this before i was on a hike in los leones the other day Mm. and there was this woman mask policing she was like, uh, 
she was i heard her before i saw her and i heard her being like could you wear your mask excuse me excuse me will you wear your mask to you no it's a, a guy in front of me who was running which made it funnier oh yeah um so i was like i was kind of like going back and forth on the mask thing i had it but i wasn't wearing it and like when i saw a few people who looked really anxious or whatever you know i do have compassion for them so i would put it on but it kind of pissed me off that this woman felt entitled to police other people and tell them to wear a mask. So I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I came around the corner and she was there and she was like, excuse me, will you wear your mask? And I was like, no. And just kept going. Felt really good. Did she accost you? No, she just looked really distressed and like angry, but I was like, no. Wish you all the best. But this is outside on a trail. Yes, a and if trail? you're gonna be that way, why the fuck are you outside on why a trail are you hiking? Outside? Yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. And yeah, like I try and respect everyone how they feel about it, and I am compassionate to people who are really afraid. But I'm also not okay with people trying to police others. There's just no chance that you know doing that outside in broad daylight unless you're licking the other person like it's not gonna happen what's not gonna happen they're not gonna get COVID, even if you have it and you're both outdoors oh yeah true you're both in the sun yeah it's nonsense it's ridiculous and it's a hard balance because i feel like i i'm not trying to be confrontational with anyone but if someone's to that level of like being indoctrinated in the fear and trying to enforce it on other people. Those people kind of need a rude awakening. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Did you see Texas is fully reopened? Mask mandate is lifted? Oh, sick. I didn't know that. This was yesterday. Nice. Texas said 100% reopened. Nobody has to wear masks anymore. Does that conflict with the federal mask mandate? I have no idea. That just seems like an overcorrection to me. Like you think there should be mask mandates still everywhere? I don't know. Probably. I don't think it's that difficult to follow. Outdoors, it's weird. But like in grocery stores, I'm fine with it. But it's cold here, so I wear it yeah. anyway because it's way warmer if you wear one. Oh, yeah. that I've I've been in that situation before. It's kind of... It's kind of nice, warms your face. It's like pretty nice to have like a, you know, yeah. whole get up when it's cold. Yeah, it's like a ski um, mask. But yeah, I haven't looked at the numbers recently. I know that January was pretty bad, but I think as it gets warmer and we're getting into spring, it's pretty appropriate to remove the mandates. Hey. <laughs> I was never, I never even agree with there being a mandate in the first place, actually. Like... I'm not even convinced it's a good idea. Like, I, I agree with the science that it reduces how much we're spreading COVID, but you also have to consider how we're fucking our immune systems. We're meant to trade germs and engage with our environments, to have contact with the dirt and the air and other people, and also just to feel connected to other people, to see faces. So I'm not convinced masks have ever been a good thing. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, hunter-gatherers were in groups of a hundred and would leave a sick person behind and would always change their environment. So it's not really like, you know, what we're meant to do is 
it's pretty far gone from that. Yeah, um, but we're we're definitely meant to keep stronger immune systems than we're keeping in this world where we're using hand sanitizer to nuke I agree, or, yeah. you know. I think the hand sanitizer is probably pretty bad in the long run. It's probably... It's terrible. It's actively bad for health. Yeah, but, you know, there's so many other factors. I don't, probably even living in this fucking factory. I'm, <laughs> yeah. You know, doing something. You mean, like, your condo building? Yeah, like, it's probably a health negative to some extent. All of the view is nice. Yeah, it probably is. I mean, the air can't be great. Right. I think about that a lot, especially in L.A., this fucking air. It's not nearly as bad as Bangkok or something, but we live in these polluted cities with a shitload of people everywhere. We're definitely not meant to do that. Yeah, that's probably the whole scam about the blue zones. For the most part. What's the scam? They're just these nice unpolluted mountain towns. No, dude. Loma Linda is the 11th worst air in all of California. It's worse than LA. Fascinating. Yeah. But even more fascinating is why they're a blue zone. I feel like that's where you're destined to live. Why is that? Well, they're a blue zone because they are largely Seventh-day Adventists. Like oh, yeah, half the population that. follow that religion and the, the church mandates that they eat a super healthy diet and exercise. The kid from Two and a Half Men was one of those. Hmm. And um, the church got him to like go on YouTube and say that Two and a Half Men is stupid. And then they fired him from the show. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. Why did the church want to do that? I don't know. They're like two and a half men is immoral. It's giving people weird ideas. Wow. I mean, they didn't seem to be too wacky of a denomination from what I could read. They're only different things from typical like Protestant denominations was the diet and exercise thing. So it seemed like a dope religion. I thought they had a um, like doomsday. There's like. Yes. They recent... believe Christ is coming imminently. And we're yeah, in the final exactly. days. Imminent doomsday, that's what I wanted to say. Well, not necessarily doomsday, though. They think Christ will return, investigate everyone, take the good people to heaven. That They also believe that when you die, you just stay unconscious indefinitely until this time. And then when Christ comes back, you either rise with him or I don't know. I think they think Satan's going to have a stint on earth. Maybe we're getting into that. I feel like that's a core Christian thing that like, or do we all just go to hell and then Christ brings us back? I don't know. They don't actually, I don't think they believe in hell exactly. Like there's something about when Christ returns, that's when he resurrects everyone. Yeah, but they, they believe that the people who don't get resurrected and taken with Christ just cease to exist. They don't believe in internal damnation or torture. Gotcha. Yeah. So that's pretty that's cool always, as well. Really, I, I always preferred the hell stuff. <laughs> not after my first uh, ayahuasca journey in Ecuador. I'm not a fan of hell. In most of like the Christian Christianity that I've been exposed to, I was always super into the hell stuff. Why? Like the artwork. It's just dope. Oh. The artwork's way cooler. Yeah, man. I feel like you're, you're like a little devil and you want to wreak havoc secretly 
Yeah, probably. To some extent. I do love, you know, goth stuff. <laughs> You've met witches and vampires. I've met You just draw these people into your life. The law of attraction brings them in. This is what I manifest. I mm-hmm. manifest witches and vampires, which is not great. I got to manifest pumpkin spice lattes or some shit. <laughs> PSL? Yeah. You know, someone that wouldn't be embarrassing to bring home. Like, not a witch. <laughs> to bring home. You've never brought a girl home to your parents, have you? No, dude, because witches still think they're witches. Because what? Like, they don't get that you can, like, go wash your hair and be nice for a day. <laughs> you know? Hmm. They don't turn it off. It's crazy to me. Those are the best people, though, people who don't turn it off. I disagree. I think you've got to adapt to every situation. That's a pretty beta point of view. Damn. That you should adapt to the situation rather than make the situation adapt to you. Dude, I'm a soy boy beta cock. What can I say? <laughs> How has what life changed since realizing that this past weekend? Um, I've, I don't know. I've gotten high <laughs> since then. I had a lot of mimosas that one day. Hmm. Mm, what else have I done? I flew my drone a little bit. I haven't done much. You've just had to go through this zenith of beta cuckness before you get your braces off so you can flip. I've had um, all the stages of grief. <laughs> grief all over of what? The loss of your identity as an the alpha male? The loss of my masculinity yeah. in general. Hmm. It's not my identity as an alpha male. It's my actual masculinity. Right. So do you... Do you no longer identify as a man? Um, well, I'm a soy boy beta cock. But, you know, we'll see. Hmm. Maybe if I could do more pull-ups. You should go say. to a um, support group for testicular cancer. Yikes. No, that's a huge bummer. It's the You should go to the support groups the guy went to in the beginning of Fight Club. Is that a thing? You never saw Fight Club? I've only seen parts of it, and like I feel like I've seen the whole movie through different times of seeing different parts. Oh man, you gotta watch Fight Club in its entirety. I know, but like I know the whole ending sequence. It's not about the plot twist, though. It's about the themes. It's about the imagery, the symbolism, the message of how corporatism and the commodification of our lives, living in these little boxes, thinking products and material things will make us happy has made us all collectively soy boy beta cucks. Hmm. And the only solution is to punch each other in the face. Yeah. (laughs) No, the solution is to film this documentary. Dude. It's going to be the best documentary anyone's ever seen. It's going to be better than Hoop Dreams. Probably. (laughs) As long as we believe it. Sometimes, yes. But sometimes I feel like the problem is staying put like i've always felt more alive while traveling more myself that's such a traveling person's thing to say (laughs) you know the people on instagram the travel influencers i don't know them and i'm grateful not to Uh, travel influencers are a huge industry on instagram i hate influencers it's got to be one of the biggest groups of influencers travelers Hmm. like people who do travel blogs and shit yeah Hmm. yeah that's 
Booming. It probably would do really well now because everyone wants to live vicariously through something. Mm. I want. I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like, at least for me, the pandemic has killed all social media. No one's doing anything interesting. Hmm. I do not care what anyone else well, is doing. That, no, that's my point. If you do something interesting, then you get the whole market. See, I don't know, because like, it just makes me... Even if like 30% of my content is really interesting... 60% isn't, so I'm not going to go there. Hmm. Yeah, fair enough, like social media as a whole. But I don't yeah. know if you're representative of the trend. I feel like people are on social media a lot. No, I'm probably not. Hmm. I'm usually like five years early on trends. So when I was pursuing this dream and was just oriented toward that, and that was my goal, I was like, so maybe one of the happiest phases of life because I knew what I wanted and I was working toward it every day. Mm. It was like, you know, the Joe Rogan grind. Mm. I need a new thing. I thought being president could be the thing and saving America could be the thing. But I don't know. You change your mind? You don't want to be president anymore? Well, my partner hates the idea. Mm. You'd be senator. Fuck that. You'd be governor. Schwarzenegger got to be governor. Yeah, but what? I wanna, I wanna do big scale stuff. I don't wanna just push paper around. Dude, all right, I'm gonna hit you with a radical idea. Hit me. But hear me out. You could buy a mega yacht off the coast of the Bahamas. <laughs> You know, maybe you're just, maybe you're a Dan Blazarian and you don't know it. Maybe that's your happiness. Oh, being Dan, Dan Blazarian's not even happy. He just went on the hedonic Dude, treadmill so way further than most people do. No, he's so happy. He's not at all. He's having a great time. No. He's probably me... really unhappy, actually. He's realized that all this shit doesn't make him happy. Nothing makes no. you happy except you. You know what makes you happy? Hmm. Smiling forcibly. That's true. Yeah, I've had a, like a very large number of bouts of insomnia in my life. I used to when I was like in high school and college, but not since really. Yeah, but I think that's part of the spiritual path. Like you just get into crazy mind states that way. I would get into just crazy like internet rabbit holes. Yeah, everyone does yeah, that. Yeah, but 3.30 in the morning. Or every guy does that. Who. Yeah. And that's that f- not good. That Fruit of the Loom logo still blows my mind. Wait, you told me this before. I forgot. What is it? Oh, they changed just, it? No, they didn't change it. it. The other one never existed. Oh, yeah. It's like an image that you see and you're convinced it's the logo. Yeah, but it's not. It's got nothing to do with Fruit of the Loom. It's a made-up logo. Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. So... Maybe it's just like you get to a certain point as a person and you start seeing things as real weird. And before that, you just think they're normal and ignore them. That very well could be. Because I feel like growing up, like I would think now that the terror alert levels on TV were super fucking weird. Mm-hmm. We're in terror alert orange now. Stay home. Like, what the fuck was that? No, we weren't. We were never at any threat domestically. Mm-hmm. They wanted us to think we were, though. Wait, you're saying when you were a kid you saw this on TV? Yeah, like all the post-9-11 shit. Oh, yeah. 
like the heightened security. Mm-hmm. There's the constant media terror alert levels where there's like, this is the risk of a domestic threat today. That was nonsense. That was never a risk. I mean, I think there's a really high chance that the things mainstream society believes about governments and the way the world works and what's really going on are just a fiction story fed to us by whoever's outside the matrix. How can you care about anything other than truth? Truth is what matters. The truth. That's my religion. Truth. Truthism. The truth of what? Reality. How it works. What we're doing here. What's really going bound. on. You're still bound by your like immediate context. So why does any of that matter? Because my immediate context isn't that important to me. Like if... You know, you find out we're all in the dream of a beetle. <laughs> and you know for a fact that we're in the dream of this beetle. How does that change your day-to-day? It wouldn't. What I'm saying is I don't care about the day-to-day. I care about the truth. Well, so if I tell you right now that we're in the dream of a beetle and I can prove it, and you have your truth, where do you? what do you do tomorrow? I don't know. Same stuff, but I would be fulfilled knowing the truth. That's how I feel like we would be if aliens were actually a real thing and they were unveiled. How we would be? Yeah, like they could, if there were aliens, they could tell us anything we wanted about our reality. You know, they obviously know more shit than we do. True. The travel here. Yeah, I mean, how do you ever know you found the truth? I think you can't get that certainty externally. You have to go inward. Well, I think the aliens could definitely solve a few things. Sure. Especially if it was like a full-on Ridley Scott Prometheus thing. Don't know that like, reference. They're like, we made you. Mm. Like, we seeded Earth mm-hmm. with some hybrid alien monkey DNA, and <laughs> it became humans. We do seem like alien monkeys. I mean, we're uh, more than a stone's throw from chimpanzees. It's because evolution's just a theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um... I'm a creationist, personally. Dude, of course you are. You're a Seventh-day Adventist. Yep. God made the world in seven days. Seven days. And saw that it was good. What is God, though? I mean, God is really just, like, the highest thing you know. So if those aliens came in contact, they would be God to us. Well, in the sense that they seeded Earth, they are our literal creators. Mm Mm-hmm. So what do you do with that knowledge? It's not about what you do. It's about knowledge and truth for its own sake. Well, I don't know. A lot of things would be immediately put to rest, right? Mm -hmm. If those aliens came and told us that. I guess it would just depend on how many people believed it. But if they could unequivocally prove that they created us, put a lot lot of things to rest. But then I feel like, what do you pursue after? If you're going to be depressed, you might as well do it in the Bahamas. On the beach with some fish and an island girl. Do you think anyone ever became happy and then they were happy after? (laughs) No. You know what I mean? Anyone actually pursuing any of these type of questions ever actually was content? Oh, you mean pursuing the truth? In general, pursuing, you know, either happiness or spirituality or the truth. Yeah, I've met people like that. Really? Mm -hmm. 
I've gotten tastes of it. I know it's possible. I don't know, man. Well, you don't know because you haven't explored it at all. That's true. <laughs> Ten day Goinka retreat. It's too crazy. What if Ten I days. told you that you could go through that retreat and be utterly happy by the end? Would you do it then? I would be extremely skeptical of your claim. Skepticism will kill you. You're the one saying it's all about doing things, decisiveness, try shit. Yeah, that's true. But sitting and thinking isn't exactly decisiveness. It's the opposite. It's more sitting and thinking. That's what I'm saying. You don't. That's not what you're doing on a retreat. You're not sitting and thinking. What are you doing? Meditating. Getting in tune with the nature of reality by observing reality in oneself. Would I have the same effect if I was totally alone in a cabin for like two days? Depends on what you're doing in the cabin. Mm. If I'm just getting high and chilling, <laughs> probably not, right? Probs not, bro. Do you think that a 10-day meditation retreat will allow me to make $10 million? It could make you more able to do that, but it could also make you realize the hollowness of that desire. No. I mean, you don't really think this shit will make you happy, do you? Like, in your heart of hearts, you really do? That $10 million? A hundred percent. I can never tell if you're being sincere. Um... Will it make me better than I am right now? Yes. And then we can figure it out when we get there. I think I just need to go live in a cave. Dude, I think you need to live on a yacht. Maybe a yacht cave. Yeah. You could excavate a cave and put it on the yacht. You could sail us around while I do darkroom retreat in the cave. Like, you ever thought that maybe just rampant hedonism is the way to go <laughs> i have actually and i had that thought while high so i don't trust it mm, i th- think that sometimes like maybe you should just have a great fucking time all the time <laughs> Nah. i i don't want anything that's the problem like there's nothing i think would make me happy what about if you just like go to vegas Get a real nice dinner and have like a four away with three super hot chicks. And <laughs> that would be super enjoyable. It wouldn't make me they happy. And to. I have no desire for it. Mm. Like none. There's nothing that excites me. Mm. What about stuff? Stuff always excites me. Buying stuff. Dude, I haven't bought clothes in like three years. I don't buy anything. Dude. Getting packages on Amazon is one of the most addicting things I've experienced. That is true. You don't even have to know what it is. You just see it and you're like, yeah. There's something about just ordering something and then waiting that day to get it. Mm-hmm. It's a huge rush. I don't know why. Yeah, because it's the, the promise of a better life. That's what all wanting yeah, is. And then you want enough and you get enough and you do enough to realize that it's all nonsense and you're stuck in a rat race. 